The Lutheran Women's Missionary League has been proclaiming Christ and the saving gospel message for 75 years. Mission grants totaling $2,075,000 during 2017 to 2019 are supporting 22 domestic and international ministries. Be part of the mission. Support these grants and learn more about them at www.lwml.org. Hi, this is Bart Day, President and CEO of the Lutheran Church Extension Fund. For the last 39 years, LCEF has had the humble privilege of supporting the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. We recognize all of the individuals, churches, schools, and other organizations who serve to fulfill the mission of making the love of Christ known to our communities and the world. We look forward to another 39 years of partnership. Visit us at lcef.org to learn more. What was the Reformation? Who was involved? And why is it so important 500 years later? Join us today as I interview Reverend William Marler about the Reformation. He's the senior pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Springfield, Missouri, and an instructor in the Department of Religious Studies at Missouri State University. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. Thanks, Reverend Marler, for being our guest today on Family Shield. Well, thank you for having me. Well, an important topic to talk about, the Reformation, but especially this year since it's the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. Now, I know, Pastor Marler, some of our listeners maybe don't even know what the Reformation is. So let's have you share a little bit as we begin about the early years and about Martin Luther and what he had to do with that Reformation? Well, it takes us back to the early 1500s, the 16th century in Europe, in Germany. And so the situation at that time in Europe is that there are some some nations, some places that are growing, uh, France, Spain, England, and the German states, too, are thinking about how the world might change. So Luther's born at the right time for change. He is born into a typical medieval Roman Catholic family. Um, he was baptized the day after he was born, so that with the high infant mortality, he would be saved and his parents would have assurance. He grows up in sort of the typical Christian German home of that time. Uh, sometimes you hear stories that aren't accurate, sort of a, a rags-to-riches version, almost a Cinderella version of Luther. But the truth is, when he was one year old, his family moved just a few miles from his birth town to a town where his father had gotten pretty good employment and then went up the ladder socially to where he was a fairly important person in, in this town. So Luther would have the advantage of an education from the time he was small through university. He began school um, a few years early, uh, compared to some kids, about four and a half years old. Um, in his new town, Mansfeld, there's a, a very good Latin school. And then he moves on to what we would sort of call high school level, the gymnasium in 
the uh, town of Eisenach. These are happy years for him. And then to the University of Erfurt for a university education. His father determined that he would become a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Part of that was probably it was a lucrative occupation, and for Luther, he could be a law professor, perhaps be famous. But there was also a practical side that Luther could become sort of a lawyer in the family and save his dad some money on uh, <laughs> on his legal work. Sure, absolutely. So that's his early years. And then uh, a few years after that, Luther changes his course and decides to become a, a monk. Tell us a little bit about that story. Yes, well, there are a number of influences uh, that we can see in his biography, uh, but three events that happen fairly close to each other within a year. Um, when he is in the town of Eisleben, um, living with another family, being sponsored there uh, in his education, he is influenced by some of the Dominican monks in that town. Uh, and what he sees is is somewhat of a fulfillment of what the Church is teaching, that a person must work very hard to just strive to be obedient to God's will, but also the, the faithfulness to the Church and her sacramental system. And there are ways at this time in church history, and here's where the corruption creeps in, where um, you can buy uh, merits of the saints and of Christ to help uh, build up your record of performance, because salvation is really by God's grace plus your good works and your performance. Uh, Even forgiveness of sins can be purchased in some of the indulgences that were being sold. And... uh, Luther is, is, is concerned about the sins, especially of his thoughts and desires, and, and he's concerned about doing enough to be able to, to appease God's wrath. And so he sees these monks in their dedication. But as he uh, goes to the University of Erfurt, the first event is uh, a contemporary of his, a friend of his, uh, catches a fever and a disease, and within a few weeks is is passed away. Mm. This is uh, what a lot of people experience in their teens or early college years. Uh, death is something for older people, and then when you have that first funeral, someone your own age at that point in life, it can be uh, quite sobering. Luther next um, injures himself at play. He severs a, an artery in his leg and... Uh, and death comes a little closer. He doesn't die, but it's certainly something that may have resulted in his death. And then, of course, most people who know the Luther story know that uh, as he's coming back from the summer break, the month of June, from his home to re-engage in law school, he's just started his graduate work there. He's only been there for about a month of lectures. And there's this terrible thunderstorm. And in his culture, people were quite superstitious, and they felt that weather and natural disasters were caused by God. And so he becomes quite afraid that, personally, God may have it in for him that night. And and so there he he prays to the patron saint of his hometown, Mansfeld, St. Anne, uh, 
to intercede for him, and that if his life is saved, the deal he'll make with God is he will uh, then become a monk. And so when he gets back to Erfurt, he makes those arrangements, uh, walks out of law school, uh, sponsors a little going-away party for himself with his friends, and joins the Augustinian Monastery there in Erfurt. That's great. So he becomes a monk, and um, I know that Martin Luther struggled to understand the righteousness of God and how he could walk by faith. I think they usually refer to Romans 1, 17. Um, he just didn't—he knew he wasn't righteous. He knew he was a sinner. And uh, tell us a little bit more about those struggles that he had. In some ways, um, you know, maybe it was. We know he was a gifted man with high intelligence, and and um, and that, along with his personality, he just seemed to be the kind of fellow who um, took the church's teaching at its word and uh, what the church prescribed for him to do to find this this peace um, and to lose his fear of God. Uh, he did everything the church prescribed, and as a monk, he would really overdo it. If he was supposed to go to confession once a day, there are days that he went several times. Uh, if he was supposed to fast so many days, he would triple that. Um, he did everything that the monks did in order to uh, keep their desire, their sinful desires at bay. Um, he would uh, beat himself uh, he would uh, go without food. He would sleep out in the cold, all of those sorts of physical self-disciplines. And he would pray, um, but he, he could not find that peace of mind. And uh, it stuck out like a sore thumb. The, um, the pastor over these monks in the Augustinian monastery, one of them, was Johann Stoppitz, who, who did take a special liking to Luther and um, tried to bring some assurance and some calm to Luther. Uh, and so several attempts were made to, to get Martin, the young Martin Luther, the monk, to, to grasp Christ and, and to, uh, as we would say today, sort of chill out on all of this. And Luther simply could not do it. At one point, he was sent on business to uh, Rome for a pilgrimage where Stoppitz thought that there he might finally find that assurance. And uh, this is not a good time in Rome uh, in terms of uh, high morality. Um, who knows what good things he witnessed there, but he remembered seeing the priest run through the masses as quickly as they could without much sincerity. He saw some of the immorality among the some of the priests there, and he really came back uh, more disenchanted. Mm. So Stoppitz then decided to um, give Luther even more to do and sent him for a trial run at the University of Wittenberg, this new little university that the elector of Saxony was starting. Um, gave Luther a number of assignments, including academic, and it was over the course of those years that Luther was uh, somewhat isolated from the headquarters and threw himself into his his uh, calling as a professor of biblical theology. And so 
some people think the, the Reformation for Luther happened very quickly, sort of a light bulb going off. But unfortunately, uh, you know, it was a lot of hard work mm-hmm. and a lot of questioning, and the scriptures became clear to him over time. Righteousness of God that you mentioned yes. was something that in the medieval Roman Catholic Church once would have to attain and obtain by all the methods the Church prescribed. And God's righteousness was presented more as um, harsh justice. Jesus himself, in some of the art we have from this period, Jesus is pictured much more as the judge on the last day who's going to to condemn sinners and send them to hell. And, of course, the other doctrine that's very practiced at this time is purgatory. Mm. You know, most people aren't going to, even good Christians, are, believing Christians, aren't going to die and go straight to heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, the soul is going to have to go to purgatory, sometimes for years and years, and in order to purge sin and prepare it for holiness. And so, um, as Luther studies the scriptures, he also has some academic tools available that weren't available in the years before, and so the timing is right, including a Greek New Testament, Mm -hmm. including uh, the original Hebrew language. And so as he looks into the scriptures and begins to study them in the original languages, and he also works hard to increase his ability to be a good linguist, um, he starts to see some problems in some of the Catholic commentaries, but also in the the Catholic, the Latin Bible itself. And this is one of them, and he comes to see that uh, the righteousness that human beings, human sinners can possess isn't something they can obtain. It's something that comes to them as a gift. It's a righteousness of Christ by faith. And then indeed, as as he comes to see that that scriptural doctrine, um, kind of like looking at a diamond, you have to you have to turn it and see many aspects of it. Then the light bulb does go on, and he has a new center for his own faith and and for the teaching of the church. And then the changes start to happen. Yeah, awesome. Um, we're halfway through the program. I'm going to make a few announcements, and then the second half we're going to continue talking about this. Treasure revealed, this gospel message that it isn't good works that we have to do, but that faith alone saves us and the treasure of the Reformation. Today, Family Shield is giving away the booklet, A Treasure Revealed, Martin Luther and the Events of the Reformation. To request the booklet, call the Family Shield Response Center, one 877 or email us at witness2family at gmail.com. If you're a Thrivent Financial member, you can designate Thrivent Choice dollars to support Family Shield. Go to www.thrivent.com slash Thrivent Choice and or call Thrivent at 1-800-847-4836 and their employees will help you. Remember, you choose to give the gift, but Thrivent gives the gift. I also want to recommend a children's book I recently received to review that shares the story of Catherine R. Katie, Martin Luther's wife. From the early days of Catherine's childhood to her life in the convent as a 
Catholic nun, her daring escape from the convent with the help of Luther and his friends, her marriage to Luther, and her important role as a life companion and mother of his children and partner in the work of the Reformation. This book brings Katie alive for children and adults. Not only does it tell her story, it reveals the significance of her life for Luther and the Reformation. To learn more about this book, go to www.unbrokenfaith.org. I enjoyed reading it, and I hope you do too. I also want to mention that Peace Lutheran Church in South St. Louis County will be having a Reformation Festival Sunday afternoon, October 29th. It includes music and events for the entire family. Learn more on their website at www.peacelutheranstl.org. I want to go back to my guest, Reverend Bill Marler. He's a senior pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church in Springfield and also teaches at Missouri State University. And uh, we've been talking about Martin Luther. We talked a lot about the early years. And now with uh, uh, lots to cover, we're going to have to move forward. Let's continue the story. uh, And I'll just let you decide where you want to go from here to try to finish a little bit more about the Reformation. I, I've really enjoyed learning some of what you've shared, which I didn't know. And I know a lot of times we hit certain points, but uh, share more about the story of the Reformation and Martin Luther. It'd probably be best to just jump to uh, the date that ends up being the anniversary date, October Absolutely. 31st, okay. the Eve of All Saints Day. Um, the sale of indulgences has particularly upset Luther, and so he writes 95 statements, or we call them theses. Mm-hmm. It's an academic document. Uh, he writes them in Latin, and there is always some historical question about whether he posted them on the door of the castle church at Wittenberg. Um, everyone can take their guess on that. We don't hear about this story until his funeral, and then his colleague Philip Melanchthon, who's really his right-hand man, mentions that in the eulogy. I tend to believe Hmm. that he did do that, Mm -hmm. uh, not for sentimental reasons, but uh, that would have been a logical thing to do. And also, it wasn't the big deal, because most of the people at Wittenberg couldn't read Latin. It was an academic document there for the scholars and the graduate students But um, what happens is that they are published. Because of the printing press, right? This was a big part of this. Because of the Gutenberg invention that, Mm -hmm. you know, was was equal to the development of the microchip in Mm. our, and cyberspace culture. Changed the world, didn't it? It it changes the world. It is the first uh, mass media, and no one uh, used it like Martin Luther did. uh, He's right on top of it. But... um, in the beginning, uh, these things in three weeks are all over Germany and other parts of Europe, and he sort of becomes uh, famous overnight mm. for for his challenging. Um, after this, there's a bit of a problem. So the uh, Pope in Rome, along with the Augustinian Monastery, make four different attempts to sort of bring Luther back in line. That included a meeting of the of the order of the Augustinians in Heidelberg, um, except for a couple of his older professors, 
back in Erfurt, almost everyone sort of follows his line of thinking, and hmm. and so that backfires. And there are also meetings set up with some representatives from Rome, including a cardinal, and that doesn't get Rome anywhere. Luther is is still just simply asking for a debate and for answers and to be uh, disproven. And at that point, I think he very genuinely uh, would have welcomed a debate where mm-hmm. they could show him that he was off the mark so that peace could be restored. It bothered him that his thinking and thoughts might uh, bring division into his church. But at the same time, he he's beginning to have a whole new center in the Holy Scriptures as the primary source. So he's not going to give that up. Uh, there's also a debate with a very competent uh, Roman Catholic theologian, Johann Eck. That takes place in the town of Leipzig, where later in history, a musician will be inspired by Luther's theology and music, and his name is Johann Sebastian Bach. Mm. And um, he, too, will become the epitome sort of of classical music. And a lot of people don't know that he he owes everything according to his own testimony to Martin Luther. Um, after this, Luther is called to the city of Worms um, in Germany uh, so that a meeting can deal with him. And there, the, the newly elected uh, R- Holy Roman Emperor, Charles V, just in his early 20s, is, is sitting there with the church officials. It's quite a show of power. Um, Luther then is asked to recant, to take back all of his writings, to repent of the church and end this thing. Luther uh, thought there might be some debate. And finally, when pressed, he makes his famous speech that uh, that he cannot, until proven uh, wrong by the testimony of the scriptures, he says some radical things there at that meeting, of the Diet, that meeting of at Worms. Uh, one of those things is that uh, that councils, church councils, and even papal decrees have contradicted each other. They've erred. Um, his writings include not only his own ideas, but all these historical references and even scripture passages. So how can he just sweep that off the desk? Uh, but in the end they continue to say yes or no, and mm-hmm. so he finally gives them uh, a yes when it comes to the Scripture and for what they were looking for, a no. And at that point, he is going to be a public outlaw, which means the bounty hunters can come and take him at will. Um, his elector, a man named Frederick the Wise, back in Saxony, arranges for friends to kidnap him to save his life, and He's taken to the Wartburg Castle, um, and there he is kept in disguise. He disguises himself as uh, a knight by growing a beard. And and most people, I think, early on thought he had been captured and killed, and that was Mm. sort of the end of Luther. Um, In the Wartburg, the most significant thing he does is he gets his, his Greek New Testament and he translates the New Testament into German, into the popular language. And um, this isn't a work that was complete, because he'll continue to work on his translation, and later he'll also um, translate the Old Testament into the German language so that people can have the Word of God. 
he uh, comes out of hiding because back in Wittenberg and across Saxony, um, some of his own colleagues, some of his own students are taking the Reformation into a very radical direction. They are, um, I guess the best way to put that in a short time is anything that smells, looks, feels, tastes, sounds Catholic, destroy it. Mm -hmm. And um, so a lot of the church property is destroyed. A lot of changes are made, some of them which Luther would approve of, but not so quickly and radically, uh, which is hard on the people. And so he comes at risk of his life. He comes out of hiding and takes his pulpit back and puts an end to to the radicals there, including some of his former colleagues. He chases them out of town. And, uh, and and resumes leadership of the Reformation. But was he not still in danger of being um, killed during that those years? Uh, in, in some ways, yes, officially. But here's a statement that I want to make and, and put quotations around it. I mean what I'm about to say, but thank God for the Muslims at this point in history. Hmm. Um, because in the 1520s, the Muslim Empire is headquartered in Istanbul, in what is today Turkey, and these Turks of the 16th century are mounting a campaign to conquer Europe. They had tried that before and failed, and now uh, they're coming, and it's a, it's a very serious threat. It's very surprising they didn't get it. And so the emperor, who again, who's young and new, he cannot have division across his empire, and he literally has to put the Luther problem on the back burner. And this gives Luther about nine, ten years to carry out the Reformation. And so um, very quickly, there is a whole seminar on each one of these topics, obviously. But he does the theological reform, which leads to reform in practice, including the worship service. But in, not only in the church, but he also carries out an educational reform, and Martin Luther is really the father of the public education system mm. we have today. Social reform, especially with the family, his ideas are also used politically and economically uh, somewhat to his dismay. But by 1530, he has reformed the churches in Germany, and then in 1530, the Augsburg Confession, where the Lutherans write the first systematic, complete Catholic confession of the Christian faith. Wow. This went so quickly. I wish I had a second <laughs> part two because we, we barely touched on it. Well, I've been doing lectures and a couple tours in Germany, and it you're never going to Never end. have enough time. Been studying it for 500 years. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, my guest has been Reverend William Marler. We've been talking about the Reformation. This is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. And we encourage you to go and learn more about the Reformation. This year is the 500th anniversary. Again, Kay Meyer with Family Shield. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield.